Hi, I'm Karen Farbridge. Welcome to Promethea Rising, a podcast promoting energy conscious communities. Join me as I talk with good people solving a wicked global problem. I am pleased to introduce my guest for this episode of Promethea Rising. Denise Ergen's interest in environmental issues began at an early age. Today, through her role at the town of Oakville, she is working with the community to make a difference on climate change. Over 400 Canadian communities have completed a community energy plan over the last decade or so. However, getting to implementation has often been elusive. In our conversation, we will explore Denise's recent experience moving a community from planning to implementation, what is working, and what continues to be a challenge. Welcome, Denise. Thank you so much for having me, Karen. So why don't we begin our conversation by having you tell our listeners a little bit about the path you followed to your current role at the town of Oakville. I grew up at a time where the discussion about climate change and the environment was embedded in our school curriculum. So these are things that I've been able to think about through elementary school and through high school. And that led me to a undergrad in wildlife biology at the University of Guelph. And what I ultimately took out of that experience was that I had learned four years about the problem, four years about the consequences of climate change and how it's impacting the natural world. And for me, the impact was that I was resolved to look for the rest of my career, or up until this point at least, at climate change solutions. And so that shifted me away from the natural environment more to the human environment. I did my master's in building science, which is traditionally building science is looking at a building and thinking about how you can make it perform better. So how can you make the it more energy efficient? How can you make it perform better from an environmental perspective? So looking at the whole life cycle of the building from its construction and the materials you use to its operation to its end of life. And also thinking about how can you improve the performance for the occupants that exist within that building? So how can you make it more comfortable for the people that are in the building? And how can you improve the health of the occupants as well as the mental well-being of the people who are using that space? And what became really apparent in that is if you really want to achieve all of those things, you have to look far beyond the walls of one individual building, that it really is also about the context of where that building is. What kind of neighborhood is it in? What amenities? How do you get to that building? How is it connected to the buildings around it? And then even looking at it a little bit further as to what is the context of that neighborhood and what is the community that that neighborhood exists in? I got a position at Metrolinx um, on their corporate sustainability team. Metrolinx is a regional transit provider for the greater Toronto and Hamilton area. And that job was really fun because I got to work on grassroots employee engagement 
on the sustainability strategy, which included corporate energy management, climate change adaptation, sustainable procurement, construction and design. But Metrolinx has over 4,000 employees that span all across that greater Toronto Hamilton area. And so I had a chance to work with everyone from bus drivers in Oshawa to customer service representatives in Hamilton to long range transportation planners in downtown Toronto. And from there, about three years ago, I started the job that I'm currently at, which is at the town of Oakville. I work on the climate action team. Uh, what I do is I lead projects that impact how the community can reduce their impact in, on climate change and through greenhouse gas emission reduction. And that has primarily focused on energy. That's great. Thanks for sharing that. That's a fascinating path. And it's interesting how strongly it got influenced by the curriculum that you got exposure to when you were going to school. So why don't you tell us now a little bit about the change that you're leading in Oakville? As I said, I've been uh, working a lot on community-focused work. So how the community itself, going beyond the corporation of the town of Oakville and the assets that the town of Oakville own, but what can residents and businesses do to reduce our overall greenhouse gas emissions. And so for the past three years, this has meant that the most of my work has been to develop and develop an implementation framework around community energy planning. In February of this, this year, just a few months ago, we had council endorse the community's community energy strategy. So all of that work had just come to that milestone and now we're kicking into implementation. I do a little bit of work around green fleet, bringing a climate lens into our corporate fleet, as well as accelerating electric vehicle adoption in the community and doing some support work with Oakville Transit and looking at electrification options for them as well. So focusing on your work with community energy planning, why is this work so important? What we found over the three years that we did this work is A, that there is no denying that energy has a huge and critical role to play if we want to mitigate our impacts on climate change. So if we really are serious about reducing greenhouse gas emissions and meeting things like the Paris Climate commitment to reduce greenhouse gas emissions below a point of reaching two degrees global warming, then we have to look at energy and we have to look at it at a community level. We also were aware of, and we have been aware of for a long time, that there are all these little actions being taken across the community. But what's been happening is that they're all being done in isolation. And there hadn't been a greater initiative to bring all those individuals together, to bring the wider community together and develop one common vision about where do we want to go moving forward. So how can we coordinate the work that's already being done? How can we better learn from each other? But also, how can we establish a common path and so that we can 
better work together in the future and work more efficiently in the future to achieve these really ambitious targets and goals and projects that we know that we need to do in order to achieve greenhouse gas emission reductions at the scale we need to. Putting the climate change lens aside, what this process has also really demonstrated for us is that there are all these other benefits to community energy planning that we have seen around the world. So we know that community energy planning can support local economic stimulus, which I think right now, given our current scenario, is more important than ever. There's demonstrations from projects and using these types of solutions around the world. There's job creation, and not just job creation, but high quality long-term job creation that it supports business attraction because we know the private sector is really interested in establishing and is really starting to get this lens of looking at communities where climate change is taken seriously and also saving consumers, so saving homeowners, saving business owners money because now they don't have to spend as much money on energy because the energy that they get is more efficient. So it's either more efficiently distributed towards them or the buildings that they occupy or the vehicles that they use just require less energy or less expensive energy. And we know also that there's an opportunity to repatriate, so localize the money that we're spending on energy back into the community, which has all these other ripple effects. So if we're keeping more of the money that we're spending in our local economy and in people's pockets, then that can help stimulate other businesses because people have more to spend locally as well. And then there's all these other great impacts in terms of increasing our resiliency to extreme weather, which we know is going to be more common because of climate change. There's demonstrated positive impacts on human health, again, with well-being and mental health as well. And so putting that, even the, the climate change perspective aside, there's a huge case to be made and it's, it's really exciting the opportunity. I also wanted to mention that we know that the technology exists and we know that these things have been shown to be to work effectively and generate all these positive outcomes in other parts of the world. So you've given a great description of the benefits for a community when they embark on community energy planning. And you've talked about how many of the technologies exist for us to take advantage of. So what makes it hard? What are some of the challenges that a community should look out for as they embark on a community energy planning process? Well, I think this work would be, in a sense, a lot easier and a lot more simple if it was that the individuals who were already bought into the concept and bought into the opportunity were the ones that were able to implement it. But when you're working with so many stakeholders, what you'll find is there'll be a group that just, they get it. They get that there all these benefits exist. They're really tapped into this line of work and they're excited to move forward. 
And then sometimes there's this other camp that is being exposed to this type of thinking for the first time. And this is where I find some of the more challenging conversations to happen is when you're talking to somebody who may have never thought about the impacts of energy and how it relates to their work, they might not have the mandate to do so. They might not have the capacity uh, moving forward, but you're in a position where you have to rely on them to ultimately be the implementer of the, the community energy planning that you're doing. And so the challenge becomes, how do you bring them along in the process? How do you translate the data, the information that you're hearing from other community members into a way that not only are they aware of the opportunity, but they're actually enabled and empowered to take that action and lead that action themselves. So what are you most proud of? I'm really proud of the group that we have pulled together for our community energy planning process, we developed a, a team called the Oakville Energy Task Force. And this group was responsible for developing the community energy strategy. And over the past year that we engaged with them, they had stepped so far above and beyond definitely my expectations. Not only did they embrace this community energy process, but they really owned it. And to me, that was demonstrated not only in the extra effort that they did beyond the meetings, the sidebar conversations, the offline discussions, but also when we went to council with our final community energy strategy, town staff didn't present the strategy as being a municipal document. It was actually our two co-chairs of the Oakville Energy Task Force who presented that work on behalf of the task force, really demonstrating that the community owned it and that it was this product of a collective process and collective work and agreement. And I felt very proud in that moment to see them stand up there and be able to speak and present the work to council, but also all the other task force members that actually took time in their evening to come and show their support, or they tuned in online, or they sent messages just to let us know that they, they weren't ready to hang up their hats, but that they were in, in this planning process to see it to the end. So what lies ahead for the Oakville Energy Task Force? Right now we're in this transition time where we've had the endorsement from council and we're looking ahead to how we can implement. What the task force decided was that, you know, as we move through this process, we really clarified of who, who had what role. And so it became increasingly clear that the municipality didn't necessarily fit into the role of main implementer. That doing this community-based work didn't need to be led solely by the municipality and needed to be led by the community. And so how the task force has really thought about how that can happen is through the development of what's being called right now an implementation management office. 
I think a more snazzy name is in the work, but that's a, it's definitely a name that describes what it is. And this would be a completely independent entity. So not arm's length from the municipality, but just completely independent, non-for-profit that would have a number of management and then program director staff with the sole mandate to implement the community energy strategy and achieve the energy, economic, and emission reduction goals of the strategy. And the task force will then transition into somewhat of an advisory board for that team and then create also a board of directors so that it has that more holistic community governance and then as a municipality we get to sit in a chair of supporting governance so the municipality in this scenario isn't now absolved of its role but we just get to own our role and where we have the greatest influence and strength which is supporting with governance supporting financially with getting the implementation management off the ground Although we are hopeful and it definitely, we need others to contribute to that as well. And we, we have a role in ensuring municipal policy and where we impact transportation is really aligned with the community energy strategy implementation so that we're not creating barriers for the projects of the strategy to move forward. So making change is challenging at the best of times and certainly making system level changes even more so. What keeps you inspired? What keeps you going in this line of work? Yeah, it it can definitely be challenging, but what keeps me inspired is the great people I get to work with. And over the last two years, particularly, both by being a municipal employee and working on a small but mighty team with climate action, where we're all, we all have these really exciting portfolios, but then being tapped into some of the municipal networks of my counterparts in towns and cities across Southern Ontario is always inspiring because you get to sit at the table and see what others are doing. But then on top of that, I feel so fortunate because through the community energy planning process, I got to work with individuals like you on our project working team, individuals that have so much experience, so much knowledge and wisdom in this area of creating large change around communities. And so it's always so exciting to learn from others, to work with the task force as well. Uh, So that was a great opportunity to start to see how other sectors were really embracing these challenges and coming with such enthusiasm and different perspectives to these tough questions. So something that you know now that you wished you had known when you started this work with the town? I am just a born and bred people pleaser. And this is just not the type of job you want to get into if you are a people pleaser, because it's impossible to do so. When you're creating change, you're really going to somebody and asking them to do something different. 
And it is a great opportunity to ruffle feathers. You're often going in and, and creating disruptive conversations. So I would say don't expect to make everybody happy because it's just impossible, particularly when you're working, when your stakeholder group is the community. It's just, you're never going to make everybody happy with everything that you do. And I think that you have to be really explicit about what type of stakeholders people fall into. So who needs to know the information? Who needs to, who do you need to hear from? And then take that information from them, but then who are the ultimate decision makers? And without having that clear distinction between those groups, you could get really lost in your process. Thank you, that's great advice. So do we have enough time, and maybe I'll make this specific to Oakville. Does Oakville have enough time to become an energy conscious community and make a difference on climate change? Oakville definitely has enough time. I think right now Oakville has the will and it will really be a matter of, can we get from that hump of planning and developing a strategy to taking action on implementation? And so do we have the financial will? Are we willing to take the risk even though we know that this risk will ultimately benefit us, that there are proven benefits, are we willing to make that jump? I think that really is the question, but I know we have enough time. The data suggests we have enough time, and I think we're in the right position right now to jump into action. Great. Thank you so much, Denise. This has been a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Karen. 